0: Ladies and gentlemen and Bucks fans, welcome back to Fantasy Football, and by extension, Fantasy Football's self proclaimed best podcast in my zip and area code. You're back, and so are we. This is Da Newsletter Podcast, where I have a life and therefore do not have expert rankings, but that's okay. To the public, I offer insight to some stats focus on having fun, encouraging leagues, and commissioner issues, things of that nature. But to my circle of players, I offer my takes on the three leagues that I'm a part of. I'm in two $100 leagues with friends from work, where I keep beating my boss, and even with someone who works in my area, but he keeps getting rings, and I just keep hustling after three years. But my pride and joy is the next-gen footballers. I originally wanted to have Madden games played between the different coaches and that influenced by their scoring or the fab budget. I still think that's an interesting idea. But that started off a league, and today I will introduce you to the distinguished combatants. We have Jerry, a.k.a. Carolina Cam, although I guess now he's going to be New England Newton. Uh, he won first place last year, and second place was Calhoun, a.k.a. Later who was predicted by Yahoo to get there by having the best draft at the beginning of the year. And he did make it to the second round spot. Then there's TB1. Oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. It's T-Bone. T-Bone, that's one point. Okay, yeah, capitalization's weird on here. Uh, but T-Bone and Buckhead were duking it out for third place with Puckhead coming out on top. Puck and Cam both came in off of the buys. Dreamweaver, Sean, and Big J. Oakerson also competed on the big stage, and the playoffs were quite intriguing and fun to watch. (sighs) But those excluded from trophy consideration, in order of points, for was myself, Big Daddy, Annex Lad, and the Manzel Timeline. And then, the two coaches to score under fourteen hundred in Detroit Stars and Sean, a.k.a. Championship Bound. Of course, scoring is just one part of the jigsaw, and per usual, it's hard to rise when you happen to consistently face the stiffest competition. Of the the four teams who had to overcome 1,600 or more points, three of them couldn't do it and didn't make it to the playoffs. A note here is that Detroit stars had a four-win streak leading to the playoffs, So man, only a few things going a slightly different way, and we could have seen Nintendo DS hoisting something. As always, it's not always about burning your opponents to the ground, although it is arguably the funnest part. The proudest time to hear your name called, however, is when we are talking about big scores. I would be amiss to congratulate the two 10-4 record holders, Stimulator and Puck, Stim was 5 away from 1,700 points Where most of us were in the 1650s and below But man, Puck was so impressive I thought it was an error It was like the 50 plus TD year from Peyton Manning Everyone got Pucked To the tune of, oh my god, nearly 2,200 points Yeah, you hear that? The confusion between the gaps, 1,700 and 2,200? Yeah, most of us at 1,600 and below? Yeah, over 2,000 points. He only had two double-digit weeks all season and made up for that with a 222.87 showing in week five. Pucker time, indeed. Remember, Stim was going for a repeat which would have been the first in this league and was one match away from doing so. Johnny, Annex, and Sean were all in the top third at the end of the year, and Puck had been ushered out of the quarterfinals along with T-Bone. This is all referring to the last year finishes going into the year that we just finished up. Cam came from ninth place two years ago to snap back into first, and bear in mind, he is the first to hold two titles in this league. Obviously, I'm not in the running this year, but maybe Big J from 2013, the Manziel Saga from 2016, or the championship bound from 2017 can reproduce a first place finish to reclaim the top spot once again. Personally, I'm proud of my silver and two bronzes, alongside my 2015 championship. And Johnny's got two silvers throughout the years. Stim has placed one of each in the past three years, bronze, silver, and gold, And I'd like to point out that Cam almost tied Puck, who tied and holds the longest win streak of all time, set by Big J over six years ago with eight wins in a row. He was off by one. Big J also holds the longest losing streak the following year with 11. Ouch. We see a return of Mary's Marauders at the helm once again and hopefully Sure, earned more than she has gotten in the past, as she, at one point, had the toughest strength of schedule over time, with a consistent facing of over 120 points per week two years ago. This last year, Puck was winning his games with an average of 51 points more than his opponent. Stim might have been winning games, but in week 15, he won by 0.54 points. Now... A win is still a win, and he was winning despite a strength of schedule of 118 a week. Compare that to the easiest, where T-Bone faced only 96.53 points on average. It's easy to get into the playoffs when you consistently, consistently face not only the lowest half of the league, but the lowest amount of points in general. Now, me personally, I've always seen a correlation between league medals and league standings. Jerry had thirty-three medals, which was four or five more than the next three guys could get for themselves. Granted, he did get a medal for getting the most medals, and one for winning the whole dang thing. But still, I would be surprised if Puckhead and Stimulator were up. To, oh, oh wait, they were the next two guys. Uh, Kevin, aka Fight On Dreamweaver had 28 medals while those guys had 29. Dre was the only one to get touchdown bonanza. He had 12 offensive touchdowns scored in week 10 and was one short of ty- tying Tyler Arian's record from back in week 15 of 2013. That season also saw the most touchdowns scored in a season by yo boy Danny right here with 108. Puck was close. But his 5.88 a week only got him a crisp, cool hundy. You need eight more touchdowns on a season for my record, buddy. In contrast, there were two weeks where there were players with no offensive touchdowns. So it happens. (sighs) Another note here. I had the league lead in air yards in a single game with 517 through the air on the league champion back in week 4. It was still 5 short of Richland Raiders 522 yard mark from 2014. And I point these out because there are records to get. But getting them is earning them and we come close. My season record of 55-17 air yards was threatened by Puck when he ended with 51-40. That still surpassed James, James Winston, the real-life NFL air yard leader. He, he beat that out by 31 passing yards. Now, on the rushing side, Detroit Stars accumulated 377 yards on the ground in a single week, as many as Bo Scarborough got throughout the entire season as the 52nd-highest rusher. The league champion was 48 yards short of 4,000 rushing yards, which would have been the equivalent of a Derrick Henry and two Chris Carsons, first and fifth place respectively on the rushing yards list of last year. Stim was one field goal away from the record of 41 field goals in a season. Do better. Now, there was one record broken in Week 5, Puckhead established an untied record of 81.48 points by a defense. Now, Stim had the highest overall on the season in terms of defenses, tying Johnny's 2018 record of 586.92 on the dot. But I had to look back at this one-week performance. Philly was guesstimated to get just under 20 points when they took on the Jets. The final score of 31-6 was not indicative of the whooping bestowed. With six three and outs, two defensive scores, two picks, a fumble recovery, a fourth down stop, 11 TFLs, and under 200 yards allowed. Man, throw yourself 10 sacks and you've got yourself a barn, bur. Oh yeah, they did that. 10 sacks in a game. I wonder if that was the game where Donald was seeing ghosts... I'll have to look back on that a little bit further. Uh, BT Dubs, four teams had no drafted players going into the playoffs. A nice little nugget right there. Now I will review the draft later on, but I wanted to set the table for the coaches involved. Who are you asking to pass the salt? Well, we have some vets. And we also have ourselves some new blood, all the way from D Town with 15 leagues played. It's the Titans! Starting in 2015 with a gold, he since won another league last year while also accumulating a bronze, both in 10-team leagues. There's a one-week elimination in a survival contest from 2018, and here's to hoping that he's learned from that, that he can apply that knowledge to the league's weekly pickems. Now, with my draft review will come my own weekly pick I do... Analyze the matchups between the different coaches and make a decision on who I think will win and I will explain my reasonings This year since I'm not one of the participants. I can actually do so with reckless abandon Completely reckless But I do want to throw out a spoiler. I do have this newcomer here with I Haven't pegged to win his first contest as a next-gen baller against Tebow, Both teams are impressive, but the Leonard unfortunate in this case is Rojo, with enough of a D value to Sawyer's team to turn this from interesting to a pick I can make with some certainty. More details to come. And in this corner, hailing from Reddit, is the grooviest of Gators. His call sign is... JIBO. This seems to be his sophomore season on Yahoo! platforms, but don't let the lack of a resume fool you. Last year, he took home a gold, silver, and bronze, also placing fourth and fifth in 12-team leagues. He responded to the call and is poised to take hold of the rookie sensation title from Kevin, who fought on to bronze in his inaugural season. So coming up, we've got draft reviews, week one predictions, and I will also lay out the slate of my drafts from the other leagues. The draft review I'm talking about is specifically for the next gen league here, where I will go over the different picks. Bear in mind, this is an auto-draft league. Reason being, when I started this league, I wanted to see what would be the combination of rules and playforms which encouraged and required the highest level of thinking. I wanted a trophy from this league to mean something. Auto-drafting. Setting your players in advance. Blindly. That requires a little bit of... uh, Of... Intelligence and brilliance. It really does. We also play all the way as late as possible into the season. Because we don't shut our brains off going into the playoffs. And especially now, with more playoff games... Thank you, NFL. They're going to matter more now than ever. And we do have a fab... And we do not have a PPR format, and that's because it doesn't make sense to levy the field against running backs who don't catch. That would have turned Derrick Henry into not the monster that he is. I mean, give the man credit where credit is due, or tell it to his face. see what it says in return. But when I say draft reviews, although I am talking about the two drafts that I took and I think I did pretty well in in my $200 leagues, I'm specifically talking about reviewing the auto-draft teams that ended up in this league here. So yes, we'll have that. We'll have my week one predictions, not only for the NFL season, but also for this league and the different matchups. Uh, NFL season commences Thursday at 8.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Houston against Kansas City. Uh, Bear in mind, the only other game this week with an over-under greater than 50 is the Dallas at Rams later on. You can reach out to me at DMASAIII, that's my Twitter handle, or DMASAIII at yahoo.com, that's my email. For now, be on the lookout for episode two of Die Newsletter. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, and all you Bucks fans out there, let's pigskin on.